0: Hi, this is Taylor Stuber and this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists, faculty members, and your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Welcome back, Sasso Squad, and any new listeners, to another episode of The Postgraduate Pharmacist, where we're all about helping you separate and stand out as you prepare for postgraduate training.
1: From current events to expert advice, we bring you up to date content every other Monday related to postgraduate training. Join the Sasso squad today and follow
0: us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at the
1: Postgraduate Pharmacist. And check out our website at postgraduatepharmacist.com where you can get all of our latest content. If you love the show and want to support
0: what we're doing, check out ways to spread the word on our website or buy us a cup of coffee.
1: We could always use the caffeine. Welcome back, Sasso Squad. We're excited for another episode in our PGP Fundamental Series where we're covering Phase 2 of the match. So much like Phase 1 that we talked about in a previous episode, uh, Phase 2 follows a similar process, but you'll see it's just a, a lot more condensed. So we'll we'll talk about that today. Sean, are you excited for, for today's episode? I am super excited. I love Phase Two.
0: It's like twice as good as Phase One. Probably not double the fun.
1: Well, much like our uh, Phase One episode, we'll we'll kind of cover the basics of Phase Two, and a lot of it's the same. Kind of how you go through the ranking process, and the algorithm then spits out the matches at the end of it. But uh, like we mentioned while phase one was over the course of months now phase two you're submitting applications you're interviewing your ranking programs in the span of three weeks so it's safe to say that you need to be prepared for this it's important to be aware of the dates and how fast things happen one thing that might be a little bit different in phase two is that the interviews in this part are going to be virtual um, I don't really know of any programs that hold in-person interviews at this point because of the time frame and, and the short amount of time that they have to return their rank lists. So that's a little bit about phase two. Sean, do you want to take us through a, more specifics with the timeline and what that looks like?
0: Yeah, so for 2023, as an example, phase two... Opens up technically at twelve p.m. on that March fifteenth, the same day you got your match one results, because that's when the programs come out. And you can start prepping. You're gonna prepare your applications. Now you can start submitting the applications March twentieth at nine a.m. That's the following Monday. Our advice, and we've said this on previous episodes, is to submit it at nine a.m. Even though it opens and you can, it's a rolling submission submit at 9 a.m eastern time because you want your i mean you want yours is one of the first applications that they see and you want it to be right right there on their desk and it'll be through forecast so they should be able to see you completing them and showing up and all that stuff so uh, you'll be able to submit those then the rankings open on march 27th and they are due april 4th so all interviews are going to be concluded sometime between the 20th in the 4th and i probably ideally between the 20th and the in the 27th like pretty soon right there. So the 4th is when you're going to submit your new rank order list. 10 days later they're going to release the match results for phase 2 and then at that point in time we enter the timeline for the post phase 2 match in which which is essentially just if there's spots open you 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 get them the old style of just hey I'm interested in this position. They say, Hey, who are you? Shake hands. You've got it kind of thing. Um, and so with the trend we're seeing, there might actually be some stuff available. Then still there was last year for the first time in several years. So we might see that again. So Taylor, now that we have gone over the timeline, what are some of the thoughts candidates should have going into phase two?
1: Yeah. And hopefully, like you heard on our last episode about phase one, you're thinking or you're having a mindset that you might have to pursue phase two. And that's okay. There's other candidates that have to do that, very qualified candidates that have to do that. So I think the first thing I would say is it's okay to be disappointed. Um, It's okay to be hurt by not matching. That's a natural feeling but just kind of be ready and prepared mentally that you might have to go through phase two. Um, I would encourage you all to check out episode four and five, when we talk about what to do, if you don't match in those certain phases, kind of what an what approach you should have. We have a great discussion with Dr. Gladys heard about your options and your reassurance that it's going to be okay. So, Check out those episodes for more information about that. And thinking about phase two, and if you have to pursue that, I would say that there are definitely students that have done it well and students that have not done it well. I think the ones that have done it well have been prepared. They've had that mindset. They move quickly. So once they find out that they don't match, they reach out to their faculty uh, mentors and they talk about what their plan is and kind of their approach and and how they should get things done. So the ones that are, have been successful in phase two, from my experience, they contact me right away. We meet, we discuss the steps that they should take going forward and they can kind of get a grasp on what to do. I can adjust my letter as a reference writer at that point too, and talk about you know their organization and their resilience to go through and pursue this as well. So I think that kind of bodes well for them. So those are my general thoughts about going through phase two or kind of the mindset you should have anything to add,
0: Sean. Yeah, I agree with the reference to like get on top of that. Um, I would even suggest bef- you know, anticipating that you won't match and just having that conversation with yourself on, if I don't match, do I still want to pursue this in phase two? Do I want to pursue this after phase two? Uh, or do I want to try to look at other careers or other jobs that don't require residency or postgraduate training? Be be like, have, if this happens, I'm this is what I'm doing versus if this happens, like the negative result, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And that will help your planning and mental health and just overall preparedness, essentially. And reach out to your reference writers prior to the match day and say, Hey, I've had a conversation with myself, my, my family members or whoever is in your circle. And, you know, I, I said, I'm going to participate in phase two if I'm unsuccessful in phase one. And I would like to still use you as a, as a recommendation writer in phase two, if you're willing to, and just kind of just letting them know to have a heads up because it's, it's also at a poor time of the year when semesters are winding down and a lot of preceptors or faculty are working on end of the semester exams and assessments and things. And
1: so just be open, keep that open communication. Absolutely. I kind of want to segue that into another part of our episode. We were lucky enough to have a conversation a few years back with one of your fellows at, at USA dr rachel leg who is your fellow from 2020 to 2021 and she just does a really good job of kind of walking through her experience and she actually didn't even end up going through with phase two she you know she found your fellowship and kind of talks about those different options and and kind of things she was thinking about as she moved through the process so we're actually going to play that conversation for you all now um it's about 10 minutes and then we'll kind of discuss some of the highlights from from that conversation
0: rachel just take us through your your whole experience
2: so the time before phase one match day like i don't know the week before it is just mm, i was stressed <laughs> Tried to not think about it, but it bothered me. Anyway, so I was actually in Belize at the time because my March rotation in pharmacy school was an international rotation with a nonprofit in Southern Belize. Fortunately, there was a time difference. So they actually had the results out by the time that I woke up. There wasn't Wi-Fi in my room. So I like grabbed my laptop, ran out to the porch of the house in Belize and um, got the email. I found out I didn't match and I, I was very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. Well, I knew at the time that I wanted to try Phase two match, but they don't release the list of the unmatched programs until like I think noon that day, mm-hmm. so I kind of just wallowed in my sadness all morning, filling at the pharmacy
0: so so you're in another country, yeah, you don't match yeah, what do you do?
2: Well, one of the girls in the house actually came out and she's like, "Are you okay because of the look on my face I was like. It didn't match. Um, so we had a little conversation, which was helpful because she was really nice. Basically, I tried not to think about it because my plan was to get going with phase two and I couldn't do anything about it that morning because the list wasn't out and I had stuff to do on my rotation. And I just tried to put it out of my mind until later that evening.
0: Were you in Belize the whole time? That this no, occurred? to make
2: matters worse. Uh, around noon that day, I also found out that UConn was pulling all study abroad students, so I was coming home two weeks early.
0: So that's terrible, because nobody wants to leave Belize, I'm sure, but at least you had you an had excuse to go back to the States to be able to take care of the process. So what'd you do next? What was your strategy then? So you got this list of programs now, you're headed back to the United States against your will.
2: I made another spreadsheet. <laughs> I honestly think that I looked briefly at every single one. You know how ASP, ASHP has that re- um, registry? Mm-hmm. I think I looked briefly at almost every single one. And then I decided that was a waste of my time. This, is, this happens to me a lot where I'll do something really in depth and then scrap it because it's not time efficient. So then I started looking at programs that I would be interested in or like focus on things that I was – the type of program that I was looking for. So I think IU, Indiana University, went unmatched and something else that was another big name. And at first I was really drawn to those. I was like, wow, those are great programs. They have spots, but I didn't really want to do hospital pharmacy. I had applied to a couple of programs that were more hospital focused and I hadn't had success getting an interview. So I didn't want to waste my money. So I moved on from those and looked at all of the programs that were Amcare specific and all of the VAs. So I applied to think 10, maybe a few more than that. But then I looked at those more in depth and I didn't have a geography constraint. So for me, I wasn't trying to look in a particular area. So I kind of applied all over the country. I think I applied to five or six Amcare specific ones. Which that,
0: if that at this point in time, would you recommend anybody tries to say geography specific?
2: I think it depends on the person. I mean, you're more likely to match if you don't. But if you really want to stay in one place for family or other reasons, then that's an important thing to consider. You just have to know that you're less likely to match.
1: I was just going to say one thing I've seen it with with students that have gone to phase two of the matches when they were geographically limited, maybe they're in the first phase, that becomes less of a concern um, in the second phase. So that's just something they really can. Cons- and I think something that's so important to consider even during the first phase of the match is... Could I see myself moving or could I move for one year and that it, and that be it? Or do I absolutely 100% have to stay in this area? So I think that that's kind of something that I've just noticed with some some people going through phase two.
0: Yeah. Have those conversations. If you do have people, family members and things like that, have those conversations early. I'm going to take a step back. We know that you're not the kind of student that's going to say, I was unprepared going into this. So I expected this. So did how did that hit?
2: It was definitely really disappointing. I only interviewed at two programs of like the 15 I applied to in phase one. So that had already been kind of a punch in the gut. You know, I wasn't getting as many interviews as I wanted. But of the two places I interviewed, one of them was a pretty competitive program, but I was really excited about it. So that one was disappointing. But almost worse was the other program I didn't match with that I honestly thought I was kind of a shoe in for. So that was a real reality check for me.
0: What do you feel like made you unsuccessful? Was it just the fact that these are competitive programs? Was it just you feel like there's just a ton of students doing this? Or what was it that you felt like made you unsuccessful in the first one?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I have thought about that a fair amount. I think part of my problem was I applied to a lot of really competitive programs in a competitive state. So one of my professors knew that I wanted to do am care and suggested that I look in North Carolina, and it's a really competitive state. I got one interview down there, which was I was super excited about, and I applied to am care programs in a couple other places. I can't say if I would have done it differently. I, you know, I don't know if I should have looked at more hospital things because my letter of intent was also pretty Amcare focused. And those are the types of programs I wanted. So it made sense. I mean, I maybe should have looked a little more locally. I think I had maybe more reaches than I should have. And they didn't know me as a student because I didn't rotate at all, obviously in North Carolina. And then also, I mean, my GPA was fine, but it wasn't a three nine or something, you know, so I don't, people say that GPA doesn't matter too much. I don't know how true that is. And then the other thing is, so the rotation that I was on in January was actually looking at candidates to interview for their residency. And they actually asked me to apply, but I didn't want to because it wasn't the type of program that I wanted to do, even though I may have actually gotten that job, which is a whole separate thing. Uh Don't apply for a job you don't want.
0: Going back to the phase two, how soon did you reach out to programs?
2: How they structure it now is I didn't email any of the programs. I just... Applied and forecasts by the deadline.
0: Did you get interviews with those programs?
2: I got two. Yeah. How many
0: did you end up applying for? Well, twelve. Phew, that's got to cost a lot of money.
2: I spent a thousand dollars of <laughs> oh, um,
0: between phase one and phase two. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge point right there.
2: It, I would say, was a waste of money. It feels like a waste of money because I'm not in a residency now, and I yeah, and you like didn't even need position. to go. You didn't
0: even have to go through phase one or two to get it right. Each you up inside, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. We're glad to have you. So in terms of interviews, like I know it was COVID, so it was probably all online. Did you get a bunch of screening type interviews?
2: I don't think so. Okay. So I got two interviews with two different AmCare programs. So one of them I just signed up for an, like an interview slot which I didn't end up going through with it because I yeah, got we the job quick. with you guys which we can Absolutely. get to. Um, <laughs> but the other one, the other program that I ended up getting an interview from, they did a general Zoom will tell you about our program with everyone interested. And phase two is madness. There were maybe hundreds of people on that Zoom call and they had the opportunity to ask questions. I did not. I think I asked one question in the chat, but it didn't get answered and it was fine. I was just trying to be like, well, if they're keeping track, I should ask a good question, you know, but it was complete madness there and they but they talked about the program which i honestly didn't find that helpful because it was pretty much information i found online but also if they were taking attendance i of course wanted to be there but there was like people in suits like on zoom i honestly don't remember what i wore i must have looked nice but i don't think i
0: had a the, suit on chances of them actually seeing you well in, in a sea of people hilariously
2: <laughs> one of the people on the Zoom interview asked in the chat if they would add another slot unpaid. And I was like, don't ask that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, going back to saying over eager or desperate.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't do that. <laughs>
0: Not to mention how <laughs> unpractical that would be for an actual person. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like it was in Tucson, Arizona. I doubt that person lived there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of people competing for a few spots and that program called me a couple of days after, I think the program in Ohio offered me an interview and Ohio emailed me, but the Arizona program, I believe they called me and they left me a voicemail and I had the impression, I think just based on the timeline, that they had offered interviews to a bunch of people and some people were pulling out of interviews. Like I felt like I was not in a bad way an afterthought, but I was not the first five people on their list, but Uh they were still interested in interviewing me and they needed to fill interview slots.
0: Yeah. And this is post forecast second time, right? Yes. So they have your application they're sending out. Yeah,
2: so, cause I just heard back from them a little later and they called me at like, well, I guess now thinking about it, it was like 8 p.m. or something, but it was a three hour time difference, so.
1: Still, it's pretty late, yeah. I have a question actually, and I kind of want to talk about the beyond part of the phase two. So Rachel, obviously you ended up there in a fellowship. So how did that come about? And what kind of suggestions would you have for potential students As far as additional opportunities, maybe beyond phase two, how to keep their options open.
2: This is kind of a funny story. So I actually found out about the USA Fellowship through an email. So the same day that I was submitting forecast applications, I'd gotten an email either the day before or earlier that day from the faculty member at UConn that is in charge of experiential education. And it was... Sean's email asking for CVs for this population health AM care fellowship. And I was like, those are two of my main interests. I want to do am care. It's free to apply. All they need is my CV. It's in Alabama. Sure. Whatever. I've never been there, but it sounds like a really interesting job. So I sent my CV and um, now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I don't have a ton of advice. I don't know if the, I'm assuming there's someone here that sends out job opportunities, but I never thought that one of them would end up being something I would do because a lot of them were industry related, but definitely hop on those. And then my, I guess my backup plan, if this opportunity hadn't presented itself was to get in contact with specifically one old preceptor who worked at an Amcare clinic and had like be sort of floated the idea of working per diem or something, obviously not an ideal starting position, but It was uh, an FQHC. It was Amcare. I mean, I'd be in the pharmacy some too, but you know, it's getting your foot in the door.
0: Yeah, but you bring up the the point about having a backup plan. And and so in your mind, at what point were you ready to start acting on your backup plan?
2: I don't know if I would have gone through with the scramble, but if I hadn't matched in phase two, I think I would have started doing it more seriously. I would have waited until after phase two match, except I emailed the usa job and then that process got rolling i wasn't going to be like oh let's wait until after phase two like don't do that but if you're contacting preceptors or something for jobs i mean i actually wasn't going to do residency i decided to do a residency well and i didn't obviously but i wasn't going to do one until august i was very back and forth during pharmacy school and i had long conversations with the preceptor that i had that month and i decided to do one but prior to that i was going to like talk to people that knew a lot of the leaders in FQHCs in Connecticut and just different clinics and underserved communities and see if I could get my foot in the door that way. So that ended up becoming kind of a backup plan and something I didn't end up pursuing because I'm here, but that's kind of where I would have gone next.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't say though that you were too late on like waiting till August. Some students wait until the last minute and then it's clear that they're unprepared, but I don't think
2: you're, I don't think I was too late. Yeah. I was just illustrating the You're fact that, that yeah. I hadn't known from day one that I wanted to yeah. do a residency.
1: As you can see, uh, Rachel has a lot of great tips and, and thoughts um, as she goes through phase two and things of that nature. So a couple of the highlights that I want to point out and that we can point out, maybe loosen your geography requirements. Maybe it's time to be thinking about, could you really move a little bit further during phase two be thinking about the programs you're applying to. Maybe some of them are very competitive and that's okay. You should have some programs that you find attractive and that you want to be at, but be thinking about, you know, in the long run is doing a residency more important than, you know, being at the best program that there is. You have to think about cost. There's a lot of money. She talks about the cost as well. Some of the, she mentioned also about Zoom informational sessions, and I don't know that programs will continue to do this in the future because a lot of them are holding virtual open houses before phase one. So that might be something that you can look for changes in subsequent years.
0: Yeah. And I honestly think now that you've said that the pre-screening interviews are probably going to dip down because of virtual interviews are easier to conduct.
1: Absolutely. I think the other thing that was really interesting in our conversation with Rachel was about beyond phase two. So when when she talked about how the fellowship came about and how she found out about you all, she came from Connecticut. So just be keeping your options open, stay in touch with your faculty members. That's how she found out about you all's plan because you had... Uh, luckily sent out a informational email and it just happened to kind of align with her goals. So have backup plans and and don't be afraid to pursue those during phase two.
0: So some other advice, keep a positive attitude. It is very overwhelming. It's very stressful. I've been through it. Uh, it was probably the most stressful time of my entire life, but it is something you will get through. Uh, go into the match with the realistic outlook, like we were saying that that you might not match, and prepare for that because you will be. It's never too bad to over prepare and have that. Don't don't feel like oh I'm I'm okay and then be crushed. Go in saying I'm probably not going to match, and then when you don't match, it's like oh I prepped myself for this, and then work on your materials, rework it, reach out to preceptors in that time frame between the rank order list due and the match results like use that time prep don't just wait it out
1: all right well thank you for joining us for this conversation about phase two we hope this was informational for you and helps you out in the process if you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests please like and subscribe You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check
0: out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.